are elite. For everything you need to know about Mercedes Monet's AEW debut, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Has anybody seen Lex Luger for the last 10 minutes? <laughs> hey, I'm ready. Yeah, right foot back. <laughs> Begins with a U. It ends with an A. Has a meal initial there. Monday Night Raw, number one. All right. Happy New Year, everyone. And welcome to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review as the other Cultaholic lads forget old acquaintance that never come to mind. We are here via our Ica-Pro-powered DeLorean desperately trying to forget that the roster in the mid-90s is unbelievably bad. And who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, former Cultaholic heavyweight champion Tom Campbell. I am with as Dan Housen proudly puts it. Hello, Justin Henry Housen. This is Dan Housen. You're the head of the pens, the penmanship at Cultaholic from America's the Big Blue Bear Man. I don't know. Something of that sort. Anyways, love that Cultaholic. Love that Justin Henry Housen. Use the pens. Does not need a pencil. I think Dan Housen's trying to consume my soul. <laughs> what a lovely little message from Dan Housen. Well, here, here's next week's show. There is no Justin, only Danhausen. <laughs> There'll be less swearing. No swearing. No swearing from Danhausen. Doesn't swear. Mm. <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of demon is he? He's the best kind of demon. Did you have a lovely Christmas time, Justin? I certainly did. It was uh, unseasonably warm here. But it was a nice festive time of year. Got to see some family and friends and got to overindulge in food, so that's always good. How about yourself? Uh, overindulgence is incredibly accurate. Um, uh, I drank a lot with my mum and dad. I drank a lot with my brothers. I, uh, I I managed to transport a cat back and forth from the from the south of the country, which I'm very proud of. Legally. Uh, Lee, yes, a hundred percent legally. We didn't, we didn't dress okay. him up, dress, didn't dress him up as an old woman trying to get him through the borders with fake papers. No, he, um, 
<laughs> now Pablo came back with me for Christmas. This is our cat Pablo, and uh, he, he he beautifully survived a four-hour train journey down and a four-hour train journey back. God bless him. He's a hero. A bit confused when he got back. You know, yeah, and, it, and I felt terrible. I felt terrible because he was really clingy for the first two days when he got back because he was just like seeping back and forth everywhere. And like he just when the first day back, we were both at home. He followed me into every room. It was just like, I need to keep you in sight because I know you're normally here, so that's fine. <laughs> God bless. I felt terrible, Justin. Well, it's still, well, it's still the most uh, tasteful cat anecdote this week after uh, Ricky Gervais' comments about James Corden on Sunday. Oh, jeez. Oh, my God. <laughs> was it good, the Golden Globes opening? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, that was all I saw, and, and that was uh, about a day later because I'm not going to sit there and watch a you know, stupid, shallow award show. <laughs> it was that was the only but, thing I enjoyed. But yes, the sheer balls on Ricky Gervais. God bless that man. But that's it now. That he is expected now every time. I think it's 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 a it it just has to he has to do a deeply offensive intro to the Hollywood elite. That's kind of his shtick now. Yeah. I do love that the next day they tweeted that the Oscars will not have a host this year. <laughs> 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 God, oh God, it was so good. It was so good. But look, hey, look, we can't talk about award winning because we're watching Monday Night Raw from 1994. Oh, yes. Far, far removed from it. Um, give us but, an idea where and when we are. Well, this is our first time doing this show in about three weeks, and it's been a while. It's been a while this is a... since I could see that it wasn't. <laughs> Sorry. I don't. I'm not sure if that's Cher or Eddie Vedder. <laughs> it's a bit of column A and a bit of column B. Cher Vedder. <laughs> you are just too busy with yourself. Turning back time. <laughs> John... I remember picking up a boy. John! Mate, you're back to work now. Back back at the coal face. John! Uh... Don't call me Eileen. <laughs> I want to share on the front of the Stained album, please. <laughs> share in Stained. Or or 10, whichever. <laughs> over to you, John. We'll give you, we'll give you a, a little bit of creativeness over it. Um, She's the antithesis of, uh, of a Vitology, so don't do that. <laughs> That'd be too ironic. So anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. Where, where and when are we this week, Justin? Well, it is Monday, June 6, 1994, the 50th anniversary of D-Day. This episode was taped on uh, May 23rd in Youngstown, Ohio. We're still at the Struthers Fieldhouse for the final part of this taping. Okay. Um, just to give us a little bit of an idea of what's going on in the wrestling world at this point, WCW is about to go to Disney World. Uh, this, is, yeah. this is as a result of potentially striking up a deal to become a permanent sideshow at Disney in Orlando, uh, very, according to Melter, like the trained seals and dolphins, running two or three one-hour shows throughout the day on a daily basis whenever the park is open. If this deal goes through, it means all WCW's TV will be taped out of Orlando. That's why John Tenta became the shark. Oh, mate, that's exactly why he was the shark. It's easy money. Do you remember this we first time? This deal went through, didn't it? Well, yeah, but they weren't exactly like a, a daily sideshow. It wasn't like, you know, like come back at 2 o'clock to see uh, Robo Bob Cook take on 
Bobby Eaton. <laughs> that would, it's like, I want to go, Mom, I don't want to go on Pirates of the Caribbean. I want to watch Bobby Eaton. <laughs> and then Homer and uh, Bart's uh, stepbrother, or big, a big brother get into a fight by the tank and, uh, and Steven Regal falls out. <laughs> That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I don't know whether you so, agree. I liked the aesthetic. Uh, I did. It, it, it was different, but you can tell just how piped it was. It was a little too phony. There was like the the crowd didn't know who these people were, and it was applause signs, boo signs. It was just it was studio wrestling gone berserk. It had its charm, but it, it wasn't it wasn't top shelf. So WCW potentially leaving Atlanta. Meanwhile, in ECW, Joey Styles has left the broadcast position. He did that every week. <laughs> this was his latest attempt to leave, saying the reason uh, he's leaving as an announcer, according to Dave, uh, was was due to the amount of time it takes on Sundays to put together the TV show. He was killing himself trying to fun be functional at work at his regular job on Mondays. The new announcer is is a guy named Willie Watts. Uh, oh god i remember willie watts you remember willie watts oh god <laughs> what's your memories of willie watts well you have to remember why he was called willie watts um it sounds an awful lot like bill watts and willie watts happened to be a black man yeah and paul Heyman happened to be fired by bill watts and bill watts was accused of being racist so this was just one not so inside joke aimed at his former employer it's just some quality ecw banter isn't it Oh, sure is. <laughs> Willie Watts spoke in a, in, in a very urgent way at all times. And that is The Scoop. His nickname was The Scoop. <laughs> Willie Scoop Watts. Imagine so, replacing, like, the, 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 the very much straight-laced, to an extent, Joey Styles with a, basically a comedy act as your main announcer. He didn't last. No, I, I don't think Paul, he did. Whatever concessions Paul had to make to get Joey Styles back, they were worth it. Um, we're also in ECW uh, reeling from an incident with Sabu, who's undergoing surgery on his broken hand next month at this point. The other hand didn't need surgery uh, because he ended up breaking both last month in Japan. And this is this is a quite an infamous story with Sabu. In order to close the cuts on mm -hmm. the one hand so he could use a wrestle, what did he do, Justin? I believe he used crazy glue. He certainly did. Now, <laughs> the hand, by the grace of God, did not get infected. Well, wasn't that like an old way of treating cuts and stuff? It was used like like some sort of adhesive, like crazy glue or super glue. Wasn't that like 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 an old time remedy? I thought it were well. I don't know. I've been watching a lot of um, the docudrama Outlander on Amazon Prime Video. And mm -hmm. in that, they tend to use a lot of whatever alcohol is available to clear it, which looks very painful. And then, like, a literal, literal string and a needle to shut the wound. Well, this was yummy. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you tasted delicious, and you were, <laughs> you, were too, you were too battered to even know that you were poorly. Well, that was kind of the point. That was, like, the original anaesthetic. <laughs> uh, do you want a little uh, anecdote about Bret Hart? Always. Bret Hart did an interview for the Satellite Times, which was a TV program guide in the UK. And um, he was asked about his relationship with the British Bulldog, who had not long left 
before we turned up in WCW at this point. Uh, Bret Hart said, I don't know what his reasons were for leaving. We never communicated well after fighting at Wembley. We were close friends before that, but afterwards we ceased to be friends. He thought he was going to be a superstar, but in a matter of weeks, things changed for him. He left and joined WCW, which was a step down. He felt he was getting the... He didn't feel like he was getting the attention he deserved. I felt the same, but it always turned out okay. Davey didn't give it enough time. He hit the skids, but I'd like to see him come back. He's a great wrestler, and I'm sure he'll come back if he wants it. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if that's something on the table now. Well, yeah, Brett doesn't know why David Wade left the company in November of 92. <laughs> God bless kayfabe. <laughs> Brett, I'm effed. And uh, the only other thing of note is that the WrestleMania Revenge Tour has just wrapped up the European leg. Uh, they did shows in Switzerland, Germany, and Italy. Uh, they had a show in Rome just a couple of days before this episode of Raw, headlined by Brett versus Owen. Yes, and, I'm some of the, uh, and also on the undercard, no doubt a stinker between Yokozuna and Mabel. <laughs> stinker? What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you know something about this match that I don't? Well, I'm saying it's... Well, how do you know it was bad? Uh, sometimes you don't have to look outside to know that it's raining. Well, that's true. <laughs> um, I, I will say I'm browsing through the cards here, and while this mini, a mini UK tour was going on, on June 4th, 1994, they had a, a live event in St. John's, New Brunswick, which is in eastern Canada, at the... At the... And I'm quoting here. Lord Beaverbrook Rink. <laughs> wow, that's a real place? According to this. That's incredible. I mean, if that was Luger beating Crush. So and this the was semi two rosters, wasn't it, running at the same time? Yes, it, yes, this was Raw and other Raw. And what was the semi-main event, sorry? semi-main event was the Smoking Guns beating the Executioners. Blimey, Smoking Guns and Executioners. That's, uh, this is where you shouldn't be doing a brand split. No, the, at this point, you, at this point, you have essentially three quarters of one brand. So, so the last thing you want to be doing is splitting these bad boys down the middle. Jeez. Yes. NXT is basically ECW. <laughs> well, the internet loves us so much. What's let's, the internet? Let's do loads of it. Actually, NXT run the run the, the. I don't know whether you've seen any of the NXT house shows that they run in Florida, among other places. Uh, they're uh, oh gosh, they're they're dry. They're dry. <laughs> That's me being really polite. Let's just pack it up with all the independent stars and and take credit for the success. It's like when. Mr. Burns said, you, Strawberry, hit a home run. He does. I told him to do that. <laughs> Playing strategy, sir. <laughs> I told him to do that. Anyway, that's uh, that's our Observer Roundup. Let's uh, let's get cracking with this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. I'm sure it's going to be a good one. We've got a lumberjack match in there. What could possibly go wrong? More like a slumberjack match, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a lumber jerk off for watching this or for all 20 minutes of it. Gosh. So this is how we open tonight, isn't it? Well, before we get to that, let's point out that next week we're skipping the June 13th roll because there is no June 13th roll. In fact, that show is preempted for a one-hour special called Countdown to the Crowning, which was their version basically of SummerSlam Spectacular or Survivor Series Showdown, March to WrestleMania. 
They tried to have their own uh, spinoff for King of the Ring. This was the one year they had it. It had exactly one match, and it's not even on the network. <laughs> so to hell with it. Probably, probably because it, in the year 2020, um, the word crowning takes on very different meaning. <laughs> <laughs> I must not be up on this vernacular. Could oh. you possibly? Oh gosh. Okay, I'm gonna let you know. Um, this is because every time they said it, it made me laugh. Um, UrbanDictionary.com. Uh, wait, wait, I, wait. How about I look it up? I say, what you look it up, we... and I want your genuine, genuine reaction to what crowning means on Urban Dictionary. Okay, I'm googling it now. I'm not reading this out loud, right? Unless you really want to. I thought it was going to be worse than that. Come on. I thought it was going to be something a little bit more deviant-ish. No, no, no. It's, it's not deviant. It's, <clears throat> it's just funny because every time uh, we talked about it, that was all I was <laughs> I've, heard, I've, I've heard it called turtle-heading. Because <laughs> I can – I know. As, as a guy that uh, routinely suffers uh, IBS, I've been in a situation multiple times where I'm having a countdown to the crowning, which is why <laughs> this, this show resonated with me so well. <laughs> I mean, it had to be a good show. It has the current Ring of Honor world champion on it. <laughs> Every show does at the moment. It doesn't count. <laughs> we can't. Right, we can't keep using the presence of one of the Quebecers as a benchmark. Yes, we can. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't we? Because we live in a weird time where that wasn't supposed to happen. Next week, we're going to listen to Tony Schiavone called Bash at the Beach. <laughs> it's, this is 2020's weird and Dave Brown was part of Dynamite oh, he was wasn't he oh god like 2020 D just seems like a weird compilation year DDP's gonna wrestle Leaping Lanny was on the show <laughs> this is amazing jeez and, and I am you, so glad I lived this long do you think it's a coincidence that AEW next week are putting on Bash at the Beach featuring Diamond Dallas Page, Tony Giovanni on commentary, the same week that the Time Splitters are back on NXT. It can't be a coincidence. Can't be a coincidence. They've done something. They've messed. They've 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 got the appropriate amount of gigawatts and they've messed with the space time continuum. Was that commentator Dave Brown or Doc Brown? Ooh, Great Scott. Great Scott Jr. <laughs> John. <laughs> <laughs> I got him on a hoverboard. Doc Brown as guest commentator on AEW. <laughs> whilst, whilst JR eats blue chew. <laughs> like that. Like, okay, he eats he eats blue chew like their M and M's. <laughs> Chat me up. You saw a wormhole. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna mention something about JR that that we drop on the SmackDown review this week as well. Like, am I the okay. only one that feels like it's a bit peculiar that the JR grilling JR, which I love listening to is sort of 60% wrestling talk and 40% JR's sex life. What's wrong with that? I don't know. I just don't know how I feel about it. I'm just, I'm still a bit mad about it. Tom, they're giving the people what they demand. <laughs> yeah, and the one thing I always thought was when I was getting into wrestling as a kid was, I wonder how much sex JR has. And apparently a lot, because he was saying the other day how relieved he was that his, that his replenishment of Bluetooth turned up. 
Well, I mean, eventually you run out. I mean, Popeye can, it can only have so much spinach in one <laughs> one sitting. In one in one night after yeah. dynamite. <laughs> so John, anyway, Doc Brown on commentary. Jr. eating blue chew like M and M's. Yeah, but don't throw the aftermath. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, because you'll get kicked off of Twitter, and I don't want that. It'll ruin your Ko-Fi account. <laughs> so anyway, moving on to this wonderful show here. Oh. Keep in mind, this is hour three of the taping. They decided to squeeze in this monstrosity of a match. <laughs> we start out with the Lumberjacks hitting ringside. Jared's coming out. Mabel's holding Doink back, which is a wonderful visual. A man wearing purple and gold holding back a clown from beating up a guy wearing pink. <laughs> Welcome to wrestling. This is definitely 1994. Mm-hmm. Then the Bushwhackers come out as we hit the ring introduction or, or, or the show intro. <clears throat> kind of a funny moment as Ra- as Razor's introduction is is interrupted by uh, the intro. We 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 hit the tail end of it, and IRS is walking out while Razor's song is still playing. They got to get him out. They got to crack on. Yeah, because, you know, they're live. They can't just edit this. I mean, by live, I mean not live. Already we have acrimony at ringside as Razor punches IRS right in the mug. I love how immediately the Lumberjacks are kicking off. Well, yeah, because they hate each other. It's, you know, there's all sorts of animosity down there. Mm-hmm. And the hammer for all the Lumberjacks is Duke the Dumpster Drosy. He's the last one out. Yeah, he gets the he gets the big entrance to his old Duke. Bear in mind that Vince wants to make this guy a star. I realize on the hard camera side, from what the viewer can see from his vantage point, the one side of the ring has Mabel, Duke Jerosi, Doink the Clown, and the Bushwhackers. Is it, like, if, if you're Vince, wouldn't you stack it up so, like, your five biggest stars are on that side of the ring? I, I, Razor think, and... I think in twenty in 2020, where hindsight lives... I think that that'd be the sort of conversation they would have. I just mm-hmm. everything everything so far I've seen in nineteen ninety four is is it shows a lack of attention to detail from from the company. Well, yes, that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. Like you would put your your main stars front and center. You are constantly reminded that this is nineteen ninety four just from that from the um most frequent camera shot alone. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes. So it's Crusher Tatanka. For those of you who don't remember, because it's been a few weeks since we've done this show, the two faced off in what was the ostensibly the final King of the Ring qualifier, but went to a double count out, so they're going to have a rematch here. And this time it's a lumberjack match, so that neither man can be counted out, which is which usually works unless you're Jimmy Snooker and Mick Foley facing off at UWF Blackjack Brawl, in which case you can't have a double count out in a lumberjack match. Oh, yeah. He just went, it doesn't matter. Run away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but here it's a little bit more tightly um, tightly run because Vincent Mann, for all of his foibles, is not Herb Abrams. <laughs> and Randy Savage tells us of this match, and we're going to do it all again this week, which would be a great slogan for Raw today. <laughs> that is how Raw works, pretty much. If we got three hours to fill, if we have to repeat stuff, so be it. <laughs> so, of course, the tongue is attracted because IRS is at ringside. You know, what with the whole uh, headdress smashing and mocking of his heritage and things like that. Kind of big brawl kicking off the start as Crush jumps to Tonka, then everybody hits the ring like it's a battle royal. This starts well. 
I g- yes. will give it that much. Oh yeah, there's all sorts of energy here, lots of hostility. Anything could happen. Anyone could hit anybody. There's just so much bad blood and so much testosterone flowing down there. Anything could happen at any moment, and as long as this match is quick, then <laughs> I, I see no problems here. As long as this match is quick. I mean, Quang even wore a special red mask for the occasion. Going against a red M&M. <laughs> now, Jeff Jarrett, for the early part of this match, is the MVP. Because every, every little lumberjack is just standing there, kind of just like, whatever, just like, oh, I'm getting paid extra whatever for just for just standing here and doing this. Jarrett is like playing to the crowd, cheering Crush on, being your typical heel. Like, he's actually into what's going on here. Everybody else is uh just kind of going through the motions at this point. I think Jarrett cheerleaded every other lumberjack into, like, trying. Like, he willed them into the... This match would have been worse if not for Jeff Jarrett. It's it's weird to say that Jeff Jarrett was a was a key player in a match between Crush and Tatanka. Well, yes and no. Mm-hmm. But it's just Jarrett has the old mentality of playing to the crowd. and He's a Memphis guy. He knows how it works. Yeah, he gets it. And after Jarrett does all this, he faces... Rhythmically slap the apron to bring the Tonka around because because <laughs> it's about three minutes in and we're already into the heat segment and this heat segment's gonna last a long time. This show had no structure whatsoever. I mean, I mean, this match had no structure whatsoever. It just it felt like the same moment or two multiple times over. It was like Crush wears down to Tonka. <laughs> One falls out the ring. There's a scuffle. They get thrown back in the ring. So they established, to be fair, they established the premise of a lumberjack match early on. Early on, yes. But then nothing else really happened. Like, this this match went through two breaks. And I was thinking, any time now, this is going to pick up. And it just didn't. They do establish the, you know, the motives of the lumberjacks. The Tonka falls to the floor. The heels beat the crap out of them before throwing them back in. Crush falls outside. The faces just diligently pick him up and just roll him back in gently. You know, be playing fair. Crush chooses this match to play submission expert. This was like watching one of those MMA fights from 1995 where there's like no time limit. And for like 33 minutes, it's like, well, hell, they're just rolling around. Just call for the bell. <laughs> he starts by playing Alberta Del Rio's armbar. Yeah. There was, there was a lot of that going on. It was here that it was explained that Lex Luger can't be a lumberjack because he's barred from ringside due to his um, – the fact that he'd probably be impo- – he wouldn't be impartial toward Crush. So why is IRS out there when the Tonka's in the match? That that stood out to me as if to say, oh, this can't happen. Yeah, well, then his arch rival's out there too. So you know, there's the, the vetting of these lumberjacks has been, quite frankly, abysmal. <laughs> I mean, you have Yokozuna, who tried to end Tatanga's career. You had Iris, who destroyed his headdress and mocked his heritage. And you have Bam Bam, who found the counter to the war dance by just kicking him in the back of the head. Pretty and they're all out there. All those all those vicious enemies. I mind you, I'm thinking about it now, and I'm remembering this match. Not that I want to, by looking at the lost, <laughs> looking at the assembled lumberjacks. I'm thinking, they should have vetted it, they should have vetted it. And I thought, well... Surely that's the entire roster out there. <laughs> that's actually a very good that's point. That's pretty much the entire roster, isn't it? Everyone except for Brett, Diesel, and Sean. 
<laughs> oh yeah, they keep they're keeping those guys good, which I'm relieved about. Savage volunteer friends like, no, you sit here. <laughs> I mean, I could do no. Oh. Savage sucked. I could do no. You're, you're one of the all-time greats. You sit there. You can hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah. So, when you're establishing where Luger was, Vincent informs us that Luger is always doing something red, white, and blue. <laughs> okay. Okay. Here's the question then. I'm glad you brought okay. this up. Okay. What is he doing that is red, white, and blue? I know the answer. Go on. He's f***ing a Pop-Tart. <laughs> Mark that one, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say painting a room in a hospital, but yours is far funnier. <laughs> yours is far funnier. I <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you like that? Ah! E! Ah! <laughs> oh! Ma! John! No, don't John! No, no, John, no! No, John! <laughs> it would be a cursed image! It would shut down the internet! Lex Luger and Eugene Levy in American Pop-Tart. Oh, <laughs> One time at band camp? <laughs> Anyway. One, one time at camp? I mean, b super band camp? I don't know! <laughs> you popped on to too tight too, Billy! Oh, God. <laughs> and the arts and crafts room's door is locked! <laughs> okay, you can troll the grid at campground, but nothing, but, but no other funny business. Oh, oh my God, right. You, you download a wrestling podcast to hear... Within 20 minutes, two men talking about another wrestler doing the nasty with a Pop-Tart. That is... This is free. This yes. is free. For, for good reason. This is behind a paywall. This is free. You lucky devil. <laughs> so, getting back on topic here. Oh, now that we've we got... Now that we're Don't talk about his lumberjack match anymore. It makes me sad. We're going to soldier on because Tatanka and Crush did. Oh. Uh, so Crush applies a Kimura lock, which Brock totally stole from him. Yeah, <laughs> the Crusher lock. My client, Brian Adams. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote, boy, there's a lot of holds here. I had no idea what was to come. <laughs> you're, you're thinking, oh, there's a lot of wear downs at the very beginning. Now, here's the thing about this match. I kind of have a theory here. Um... When Tatanka breaks the holds, it's nothing dramatic. He kind of just meanders out of it, like he's getting out of it. I like, like, like one of his Chinese finger traps. Oh, here you go. I, I got out of it. And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, so he's out of the hold, dude. Like, there's no big crowds clapping their hands rhythmically, stomping their feet. Come on, Tatanka, get out of the hold. It's just, oh, I'm out of it now. And Crush hits him and puts him in something else. There wasn't any <laughs> any passion for, for um, Tatanka to fight back through. To me, it was almost like they were going to edit this match down to a five-minute match later. And then forgot. Yes, that's what, that's what this match feels like. Whoops, did you want to edit that? Oh, we've, we've, we've done the whole thing. <laughs> the part where Crush yells, we'll fix it in post, as he punches the Tonka and then he's right in the temple. <laughs> okay, that didn't happen, but it may as well have. I'm just so curious. Like, these two lads, did they not chat before the match started? Huh. They had to call it in the ring, like Luger and... 
perfect in 93's <laughs> WrestleMania. You've been bugging for three hours. At least three hours. Like, could you not have gone, <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Tatonka, because that's what Crush calls him. Hey, uh, Tatonka, uh, should we sit down for five minutes, have a coffee, go through what we're going to do in this Lumberjack match? Nah, bruh, we're just going to, we're just going to figure it out out there. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, but are you sure? Because we've got like, I mean, look, I've got nothing on for the next like hour, and and I know you've got nothing on for the next hour. We could just have five minutes. No, no, I'm just gonna just gonna go and uh, go for a long walk, maybe. Oh, I can walk with you. We can talk through the match. No, it's fine. I've, uh, it's fine. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. We'll, you know, we'll do it later. You know, people have criticized Randy Savage and Diamond Dallas Page for scripting their matches down to a T ahead of time. Mm-hmm. That is the argument for. This really is, After, isn't it? Some guys can freeform it. As much as I love crushing the Tonka, they might not be the guys to do that. Like, there is no, there's no wrong way to do wrestling. Like, you can... I've watched as wrestlers have scripted it to the nines. I've watched wrestlers who have just had, like, a, a few key points and said, we'll figure everything else out as we're out there, which I like. I like the free-flow nature of a wrestling match when mm -hmm. people do just figure it out when they're out there. I think it's important to... Uh, to try a little bit of that but these guys they hadn't thought of anything <laughs> they hadn't thought of anything it was literally buy some time until the finish all the crush did apply a Taz mission he did and, and like, so basically crush is inventing multiple submission holds tonight yes crush crush Chris was like the Kyle O'Reilly of his day. <laughs> Walks out to the ring playing his guilty conscience to the ring. Like a guitar. <laughs> Shock. Oh, bra. This match was an undisputed error. <laughs> so, so I just I had a thought during the match that Doink's a face and crushes a heel. Boy, the lot's changed in a year. Yeah, I know, right? Crush applies a front face lock. We're over 15 minutes into the match at this point. We're dragging this review out just to make just to kind of relay the experience of what this match was like. Yeah, well, give with, the, we're giving you the idea of exactly what happened. Although with less uh, copulating with pastry jokes. <laughs> um, so Tonka gets knocked outside Yoko stomps on which has to be fun I'm sure big brawl breaks out DiBiase backs off from Bushwhacker Butch Billy Gunn walks over and just cheap shots Bigelow then walks away Razor does the spooky fingers Vince causes a romp him stomp him style match which is Carney for this is, this is the drizzling you know what this is Vince's version of bowling shoe ugly when he drops that line <laughs> If he says romp him, stop him, that's the kiss of death. <laughs> Tatanka gets a vertical suplex, or as Savage calls it, vertical suplex, and a shout out to Gordon Sully for some reason. That was really random how he decided just to use the words suplex. Do you reckon he. I wonder whether he was told to, to watch some commentary. <laughs> and then when he did, he was like, oh, I've been calling suplex wrong. <laughs> This match is a ring-a-ding-dong-dandy. Stop watching Stampede, Randy. <laughs> I've been watching Brett, Stampede. There's always a heart in the ring. When there isn't a heart in the ring, we should be asking on commentary, where's the hearts? <laughs> There's a guy with a Jason mask. I think we should hire him. <laughs> hey. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. <laughs> so Vince, Vince won't play late match. He yells, who's going to win this? Come on! Which is saying. That, that is Vince going. I'm glad you picked that up because I wrote that down too. That's Vince back going. This is crap. Finish. He's holding up seven pencils before he realizes this was taped two weeks ago. Uh, I would have thought on comms. If he was live on commentary, he'd be stood up at this point trying to wave at them. Come on! <laughs> He's throwing the towel on both men's behalf. <laughs> so I gotta say, there was like a long period of this match where like nobody fell out of the ring. Like there, like there was no point for it to be a lumberjack match at all. Like at least beyond ten minutes, where there was no lumberjackery going on. Yeah. Other than them just slapping like the apron. But finally, in the end, Crush gets knocked outside on the babyface side of the things. He gets up, and starts punching everyone. The smoking guns, one, two, three, kid. Bob Holly, because he's being combative and he's strong. So Luger runs out in his ring attire, ha- having finished, I guess. <laughs> Charges over and knocks Crush out with the forearm. Then they pick him up and, and, and roll Crush's carcass in the ring. The, after a long count, because the tongue is down also, he rolls over and gets the arm across. One, two, three. And, and although the crowd popped big time for the finish... That was way too long. Incidentally, it still wasn't longer than the pause Triple H left before pedigreeing <laughs> and pinning Booker T at WrestleMania 19. Although it may as well have been. It might as well have been. It's just, I, it says something, the fact that Lex Luger turning up really spiced this match up. <laughs> what a sad state of affairs that is. This really should have been edited down. <laughs> this should have been edited off. <laughs> just if you gotta fill time, just throw in like nine minutes of Randy Savage doing USA Network reads. I don't care. <laughs> Was it during this match where he had a network? Oh, no, it's later, isn't it? It's a later match where he, yeah. has, a, he has a network. Yes, it is. Read. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, this was a long drawn out affair, and I think everybody got in the ring to celebrate with Tatanka at the end, uh, just as showing their gratitude for ending the match. <laughs> It ended well, it started well, but the 17 minutes in the middle, not so good. 
Yeah, it was. This was this was a badly thought out affair. But but Alasa Tonga is in the King of the Ring tournament, and that brings us to the King of the Ring report with Todd Pettengill, who immediately gets on my good side by calling Mister Fuji, and I'm quoting here: Mister Fuji Film. That was that was a weird little dig. <laughs> like it's like when I was a kid, like I was called Campbell's Meatballs. Because that's the obviously they had a, a line of meatball-based products over here. Did Campbell's the soup company? It's like it's it's that sort of level of playground banter. Like, hey, Mister Mister Fuji Film. This is what Todd thinks of the home audience. <laughs> He's on the level with them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the field of eight is finally set. We have IRS versus Mabel, Razor Moon versus Bam Bam Bigelow. Jeff Jarrett versus the one two three kid and Owen Hart versus Tatanka. Ooh, not a bad Tatanka. field all in all. All in all, it's not that's not a bad little field there. But knowing what we know, Tatanka went through that stinker. <laughs> and spoiler, he's going out in the first in the next round. Well, yeah, I mean, it's... Like, multiple weeks of trauma, like, to get this result. <laughs> He's out in the next round. Hardly seems worth it, does it? It doesn't seem worth it at all. <laughs> I mean, hey, pay-per-view payoff. It feels, like, it feels like you spend, like, three weeks making a cake for somebody who's lactose intolerant. <laughs> and then Luger finds it. And then Luger finds it. <laughs> Okay, is he has he gravitated now just to having sex with any kind of sweet based product? <laughs> Not just Pop Tarts. <laughs> Look, if you have a compulsion, sometimes it's hard to control. Why are you having sex with that cake, Luger? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, See now, had he been at the Arusa or, or Alan and Lashley wedding, he could have uh, spoiled spoiled Rusev's running before it even happened. No, he wouldn't. Have, he, he wouldn't have come out of the cake. <laughs> Luger falls out with Rusev. Luger, that's your cue. Luger. <laughs> one, one, one guy had a bus. <laughs> Comes out pulling his trousers up. <laughs> See, why don't they give Rusev the Luger pushes? Have him drive his tank everywhere. <laughs> the Rusev Express. <laughs> I mean, I'd be down for that completely. That'd be far better than uh, than what we got. He just drives a tank over, over people's cars and stuff in like Milwaukee. That'd be amazing. Rusev driving a tank all over America. That'd be incredible. Driving over people's smart cars, their SUVs. <laughs> the Rusev Tour. Sponsored by Ford. <laughs> Sponsored by the Ibatsu Monstrosity. Mine's bigger. <laughs> so, of course, we have the tournament. We have Brett versus Diesel for the world title. We show the footage of Brett getting beaten up on the last show. Brett claims Diesel's, Diesel's not a jam-up guy to do it all by himself. He's not jammed. Really, he's... Did he say he's not a jam-up guy or he's not jammed up enough? He's not jammed up, so... He's Luke really... is pretty jammed up at the moment. <laughs> That's way better than my joke. I was going to say that Diesel is clearly no L dandy. <laughs> Both worthy jokes. I am, I am concerned that the trope from this episode is going to be Lex Luger has sex with his sweet products. Are you concerned? 
I don't know if I, if I know anybody outside of Bret Hart that used the word jam up. Maybe it's a heart phrase. Maybe it's something they said around the house and it just stuck with them. Would it be something that Stu said? Yeah, you're not a jam up guy. So. Uh, so uh, he was just sat at the breakfast table and he was like I mean, he was at the he was at the bottom of the table and uh no he was at the top he was at the head of the table he's like hey, Brett can you can you pass the gem up guy <laughs> Gem up guy you say dad <laughs> yeah, Crush is a gem up guy he's got a lot of holds uh, he was torturing uh, the tank uh, dungeon style Where's where's that pack of donuts that I brought? And an unrelated note has anybody seen Lex Luger for the last ten minutes? <laughs> well, speaking of the Hart family, <laughs> yes, we, yes, we we learned that Brett will have a relative in his corner for this match to counteract the <sighs> possible interference of Shawn Michaels, Keith Smith, Hart Smith. Nope, Keith Hart. <laughs> Teddy. If it's not Keith Hart, I'll be furious. It's going to be Teddy and his unholy army of cats. Oh, what if it is Davey? <gasps> it could be Davey. Oh, my God. The return of Dave. But, hey, we will find out together, won't we? Oh, yes, we're doing the... They can't ring watch along next week with Matthew, which... I semi regret because we won't be we won't be entirely focused on Art Donovan's commentary. That's yeah, it's uh. What we'll the volume up for that one? It's a slightly uh. Slight, it's, a, it's a slight miss that we don't get to hear. Well, I'm sure we'll just be quiet for most of it to hear some Art Donovan isms. Um, always has to get always has to get hammered and carry a scale. <laughs> we could we we could do that. <laughs> that'll be fun so next week next time you hear our dulcet tones it will be a very special edition it will be uh, a classic king of the ring 94 watch along this is actually would this make it the it's now over the one year anniversary because the first watch along that we did was king of the ring 93 yes with our good friend rd reynolds it is indeed so we've downgraded it and got math and that's okay. Yeah. That that's just cruel. <laughs> I don't mean it. He's a flipping lovely egg. Um, yeah, so it'd be nice. It'd be the first time we've seen each other since Christmas. We got sick to death of each other doing the twelve duds of Christmas. Too. <laughs> Understandably. But yeah, that was some horrible wrestling that I made you all watch over Christmas. I'm not even sorry. <laughs> Back to Art Donovan. I wish he was still alive. So the comrade have a, a podcast with him called Weight of the World. <laughs> and then, and they just watch shows that aren't asked questions. I would just want it. I think, no, I think if Art Donovan was still with us, he'd be a Twitch streamer. And he would do a Twitch stream every week where he would just ask how much people weighed. <laughs> For any show, it's like, like, watch Friends with him. How much does this guy with the monkey weigh? <laughs> Is this happening? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh, we actually have a good segue from uh, Pat and Gil here, which which Vince can really st- uh, stand to learn how to do. As he goes from talking about Lawler being part of that beatdown on Brett on the last show, the segue into the Piper Lawler match, and we go to the next bottom line video, which is Piper after dark hanging around a fisherman's wharf, apparently in Oregon. <laughs> 
I love a good of... Roddy Piper dodgy hand cam filmed ramble. <laughs> it's like a snuff film's about to break it any second. It really does. It really does. Piper throws his name into the hat for being Brett's backup at King of the Ring because he's he's like a second cousin to Brett. He's practically family. And he says he's got Brett 15 minutes to spare. He goes back to talking about Lawler. He uh, Now he's wandering through the projects. Says he used to live in his apartment. He had to claw his way out of there while Lawler had had the you know the kingly easy life. He's 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 playing the whole I'm I'm gritty and I'll fight to the death. You know you're soft all that stuff and he's playing that card. That was actually a really decent video. I thought it was fun. It was fun. I if you take away metaphor, I liked how Roddy Piper went. Hey, this is where I grew up. I don't tell lies. I always tell the truth. This is where I live. I borrowed out underneath, and I'm coming up king of the ring. With Roddy Piper, I'm inclined to believe any crazy thing he says. I think, yeah, if anybody else had said it, yeah, you got a good point. I'd have gone, all right, mate, that's a great contradiction. Actually, Roddy Piper probably did dig his way out. <laughs> it was the Shaw Piper redemption. Hey, John! Shaw Piper redemption. So, who, so who's Morgan Freeman in this example? John, uh, John Morgan Freeman is Jr. Eating blue chew like evidence. By God, I guess I just missed my friend. I just missed my friend and my erection. Shut me up! How long have you gone without one? <laughs> Five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I am permanently priapic. And there's a tag title match as well, but that's not important. Anyway, Todd, uh, <laughs> Todd, and throwing it back to Savage and Vince, talks about how they saw the Flintstones over the weekend. And Savage gives his review. He says, and I'm quoting here, "You deba deba don't want to see it." This <laughs> just felt like a really unnecessary dig at the Flintstones film, which wasn't that bad. If it's the first Sav one. Well, Savage is being very competitive. He he wanted the part of Walter Sobchak and uh, the Big Lebowski, but but John Goodman beat him out for it. <laughs> so he's just upset that who wanted to be Fred Flintstone. <laughs> <laughs> to Savage's friend. He would you ever ever do? I don't know what that means. <laughs> you can't. You, you couldn't have scripted him. It would have just been right. We're gonna do this. We're doing this Flintstones movie, uh, but Randy Savage is playing Fred. Um, don't Ms. worry about Mr. the script. <laughs> just react. Mr. Slate says I'm too old to wrestle. <laughs> Mr. Slate keeps calling me one of the all-time greats. <laughs> all-time greats at the quarry. <laughs> we're not. We're not using the script for the film. Just, just react to Savage, <laughs> and we'll make a film out of that. Together, we'll get through it. I pointed out, why are humans and dinosaurs living in the same age? And Vince, and Vince won't let me play anymore. <laughs> Just seemed weird to dig on the Flintstones movie. It wasn't the worst movie. That's it was I mean. not great. That's why I was really surprised. <laughs> It was just entertainment for kids. It was Flintstones coming to life, leave it alone. I know. I just, I thought, in this, I, th I thought they were going to sort of bleed it into a read for the Flintstones movie. But no. But no, it was just, no, they just want to slag off the Flintstones movie. They've got 22% on Rotten Tomatoes. You know, I, I figured it out. They wanted to, 
they wanted to co-promote with the Flintstones. They said no. So they said, screw them, we're just going to bury them. <laughs> that's pretty much what, that's pretty much how it goes. Um, Yabba Dabba Don't is a very creative uh, critical, critical analysis of the Flintstones movie. But Rotten Tomatoes does have some slightly better ones. Let's hear it. It's just a series of nicely shot and overbright sets with the cast blocking your view of everything. <laughs> that's, that's, actually, that's actually a good line. Its main flaw is the humour and the plot. <laughs> so well, everything. <laughs> well, besides that, then you can see why it's uh, might still hold up. You know, an avalanche of rubbish at our heels. That's just mean. And I don't know whether this is... <laughs> oh, yeah. One out of five. You won't have a gay old time. In the movie's defense, it did introduce me to Halle Berry. It certainly did. Lying on... Lying uh, pretty much free to the world on a saber-toothed tiger rug, if I remember correctly. Yes, and this was a PG movie for kids. <laughs> Wait. We got to run something for dad there. I mean, come on. <laughs> got to yeah. You got to give a little bit of something in there for, for dad. He dragged his screaming kids in this movie, so he should get get something for his troubles. I mean, this one seems inappropriately harsh from Rob Vox. Can you gaze upon it and dare to deny that the apocalypse is imminent? <laughs> that that is that is just mean. I mean, I watched this show. I I wasn't that cruel. Yeah. <laughs> Seems very inappropriate, inappropriately offensive. So, countdown to the crowning. It's Quebecers versus the Headshrinkers for the tag team titles. Yeah. I wrote. I was. I was. I was in such a hurry, and I was barely paying attention. So I wrote head shrinks <laughs> in my notes, <laughs> which I just now realized. Is that the head shrinkers? Twenty tiny heads. Yes. It's, tw it's twenty-one hours later. I, re I just realized my spelling error. John. <laughs> The head shrinkers with tiny heads. Go nuts. Thanks, John. Love you. Bam Bam Bigelow versus John Paul as we finally get to the second match of the show. The second match of the show. Jeez. This is like that Raw where they had the 75 or like two hour long gauntlet to start. The Steph Rollins was in for like half of. And now it's like, oh, by the way, we've got the rest of the show to do now. <laughs> I forgot about yeah. it. Yeah. What's funny is watching this is because obviously I, I do uh, this show with yourself, uh, the classic Raw review, and then with Matthew on a Tuesday, we do the classic SmackDown review. Mm -hmm. And what's funny is that Luna Vachon is in both episodes this week. So she's with us at the moment in, with Bam Bam Bigelow in 1994, and she'll appear on Gangrel's Arm in 1999. Well, she uh, had a few tenures of the company. She certainly did. I can imagine she, she and the only person has been on both shows. I imagine One Two Three Kid was probably on both both cards. That's true, and I believe if he, I didn't spot him in the lumberjack, but Thurman Sparky plug. He was there, yeah. Would have also been there, so that's that's them as well. Uh, Billy Vince. Gunn. Billy Gunn. How about Vince? Vince McMahon, yes. Commentary for both of them. Um, perhaps, perhaps one of the guys from the main event that we're getting to soon. Um, maybe. not Razor, but the other guy. Oh, yes. We'll save, we'll save that. Save that for a bit. Definitely Jerry Lawler. Definitely Jerry Lawler. He was on commentary at this point. At this point, Bam Bam was in WCW as part of the Jersey Triad, I believe. 
with uh, DDP and Chris Canyon. He was quite a few players who uh, stuck around. Very nice. So John Paul shows up our favorite jobber because he gets offense and his offense looks good. And we have no idea why he was not more in the business than what he was. He should have been a bigger player. Should have been. He's so skilled. Why wasn't Luna a lumberjack earlier? Uh, they weren't doing the intergender thing at this point. Unless you're a midget. Well, I guess that's true. Fine. Yes, because in uh, WWE math, midget equals woman. <laughs> that's, that is how WWE math works. They know what your problem if you're is. And if you're offended by that, watch WrestleMania 10, you'll understand. Yes. So John Paul gets his token offense because every wrestler gives him something. Whether it's Rick Martel or Shawn Michaels, John Paul will always get think about half the match for himself because he's that good. Vince, meanwhile, tries to shoehorn more Flintstones references and realizing, you know what, we were, we were probably too mean with that negative review. Let's try to win them back so we can cross-promote with them. Like, <laughs> maybe, maybe Luna's one with Flintstone. Nice try, Vince. <laughs> Bigelow gets a move here that I've never seen before or since, but it's really cool. Well, it's not cool in the sense that I, 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 I want to have it applied to me, but it looks unique. A one-man groin stretch. He does like a one-man wishbone where he just pushes your legs apart. And the, and the guy just screams in pain like, as if Bigelow is a doctor waiting for you to give birth. <laughs> One more push, John. Not John Hatley, but... No, 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 not you, John. <laughs> it's it definitely a different move and clearly very painful looking. Didn't look very Vincent, nice. Vincent Savage are at the point of delirium at this point because the 20-minute match broke them. John Paul gets a sunset flip for two, but that's not going to be enough because Bateman finishes moments later with a 180 splash. He runs off the ropes, jumps up as if he's going for a splash, but rotates his body 180 degrees so he's facing the opposite way and then lands right on top of you. That was unreal. Because Bateman Bigelow at 360 pounds is incredibly agile. And he's that's so it. Finish. Good. He's so good. Should have been more. Should have been a world champion. Oh, Had all the tools. Go. Great monster heel. Could work with anyone. Could work any style. Was credible. Believable. He, all the tools were there. Very frustrating. Very frustrating every time I see him. Because I think, like you say, like it could have been so much more. And a Jersey guy, too. Hey! A Jersey boy! Racist. Um, <laughs> Wait, what? Jersey's a race, I've decided. <laughs> okay, so... Hagman <laughs> interest with your friends. This is my Jersey friend, Justin. <laughs> we, pre we, we prefer geographically challenged. <laughs> Wait, we challenged? Wait, what are you about me? I like Jersey. My my friend's gone to live in the actual Jersey this week. Like, you mean old Jersey? Old Jersey, the island Jersey, just off the coast of the UK. Okay, is it like New Jersey at all? Nothing like New Jersey. It's it is a tiny island with a tiny population, and he's gone to work for the BBC out there to do BBC Radio Jersey. I'm I'm, okay. I'm incredibly envious because he's a, basically doing a radio show for all 300 people that live in Jersey. God, I wish that. I wish Jersey was that sparsely populated. Christ. Oh, mate. It's, it's, yeah, you, you'd do well. You'd stand out a million miles in a, in a population that tiny. 
Speaking of Bandman, we go to the D-Day Challenge because this is June 6, 94. It was the 50th anniversary of the D-Day invasion in France. And um, they have a tug-of-war. I, I, I guess this was their way of, of, of having a sequel to the um, USS Intrepid Body Slam Challenge. Yeah, they, 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 had, a, they had to do – I guess they liked to do stuff on uh, the Intrepid around – around this time of year i guess it feels quite special so, so they had members of the navy the marines and the coast guard in a tug of war against five super heavyweights bam bam bigelow the head shrinkers and men on a mission didn't seem fair and, really no not really the other wrestlers won they're celebrating haha we beat you because you know we're heavier than you i guess I had one issue with this, and this is what a geek I am. Isn't Mo off selling any injury? Um, I don't know. Is he? Yeah, because Owen Hart tore his knee out. He's not coming back till November. Oh, yeah. The last thing he should be doing is... <laughs> is doing a tug-of-war. And not just doing a tug-of-war, but doing good in a tug-of-war. Not wearing a knee brace or anything. I totally forgot that. You're absolutely right. This isn't... Don't, I don't mind me. I'm just a geek when it comes to like, uh, kayfabe. No, you're right, though. You're right. <laughs> or Gorilla Monsoon, say, if you saw that. He'd say something about the uh, the Plutimus Maximus and the Red Baskets. <laughs> what? Did you say Plutimus he, Maximus? He would, he would politely turn to Mo and say, will you stop? <laughs> Monsoon had a vanity license plate that said kayfabe. He did, and one of the producers on uh, on on the WWF at the time was listed as Kayfabe. That's right, Kayfabe, <laughs> with a space in the middle. <laughs> Look at the adjective, Fabe. <laughs> we didn't come here to Fabe. <laughs> we came here to K. <laughs> and speaking of and speaking of K, that's the first letter of our next segment, King's Court. Hey! Beautiful Todd Pettingill-esque segue from one Justin Henry. <laughs> now, I knew what was coming, and I was kind of cringing a little bit. But I have to say that this surprised me in hindsight, how actually good this was. See, Jerry Lawler promised on the last show that Rowdy Roddy Piper – well, he didn't actually say that Piper himself, but a man from Scotland who wore a skirt was going to be his guest this week. And that could really only be – well, actually, that could be a lot of people. He, but, never, uh, he never outwardly said it was going to be um, Roddy Piper. He was very careful with his wording. But he but he, he did frame it as such to make you think that the hot rod was going to be here. And sure enough, Lawler, he, he, he gives a similar introduction and brings out his guest. Piper's music plays, but out walks with it was apparently Paulie Shore dresses Roddy Piper. Paulie Shaw. Now, I'm glad you knew who he was because I looked him up and I couldn't find any details. But I thought since uh, you've got them wrestle crap connections and this was an induction, uh, you'd be able to shed some light on who this guy was. Well, no, this is, this is not Paulie Shaw. Paulie Shaw is, is a comedian who's not funny. And this guy was. Uh... This is just some guy. A very, very, very skinny guy. Right. Like he turns side, like he turns sideways and you can't see him. That skinny. He was so thin, like he looked ill. Yes, he, 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 he was very frail looking, but I'll tell you what, he does a damn good Roddy Piper impression. 
He, oh god, it was it was spot on. It was I thought, spot on. I thought this was gonna bomb, but then I'm watching him. I'm like, I was I was entertained by just the way he uh, he does a little ha ha like ooh, and in the voice like 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 it transitions to like the next sentence. Like every every little Piper mannerism, he's chewing the gum. Ah, you know, ah, he's every little thing that Piper does. This guy was doing just little ad libby bits, which really mm. made it. I thought was excellent. I'm not sure if it's like a, it was like a professional comedian or, or even like a, a Piper impersonator in any other walk of life, but God damn it, he should be. Mm-hmm. He makes fun of Piper's movies. He makes fun of the easy. He says he says he has nothing under the skirt he's wearing. He's afraid of uh, he's wearing an earring in the right ear, which is supposed to be an indication of something. And Jerry, yeah. and Jerry Lawler even spells that out by by asking if March Shot knows that he's wearing that. That would be the owner of the Cincinnati Reds who uh. Didn't like her players wearing earrings because it made them something. Mm-hmm. Piper tries backing out of the match. Lawler says he'll only allow it if if Piper, quote unquote, kisses his boots and then crawls out of the ring, which this very domesticated version of Piper does. So Lawler's just humiliated the Piper impersonator just to make himself feel good and probably get the psychological edge going into the Magic King of the Ring. I thought this was a good segment. Yeah, I I, I thought. There were, the, it lost the live crowd, mm-hmm. but I think that was the whole thing. Was the crowd popped when they thought Piper was coming out, and then when he didn't, it uh, it turned it turned into booze, and then it just turned into ambivalence. Which is a shame because this was a this this was good comedy wasted on a crowd that just didn't know how to respond to it, and it was possibly tired from having watched a marathon match just thirty minutes earlier. And it's the end of a three-hour block of tapings. Yes. So there's there's a lot going against this particular segment at this point. That's a shame because it's good because it actually was brilliant. It was very good. So we don't know the identity of this guy then, because I looked him up and I can't find anything. As far as I know, I, I don't know who this guy is, but he's really good. Whoever he is, he was ever so good. And speaking of and speaking of young guys who were really good, this uh, this this the next match features a guy who went on to become to actually become famous under a different name. Mm-hmm. Razor Ramon versus Keith Davis. Don't you forget about Keith Davis. <laughs> Set you up nicely. Nicely done. Nicely done. Who was Keith Davis, Justin Henry? Well, he was a 16-year-old high school student from North Carolina with vanilla ice's hair. And and look at his face. You think like he looks like Sammy Guevara a little bit in the face. But as it turns out, that this man is 16-year-old Jeff Hardy. Da-da-da. Neither charismatic nor an enigma at the time. <laughs> he was very. He, now, what I liked is in this match is, which we'll get to. There was some flashes of brilliance. Oh yeah, he's he's got the bumping down to a science already. So he looked good in the in the. In the in the short time he was in the ring, he did look very good against someone like Razor. Yeah, Razor just throwing him around. He's 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 mustering no offense because huge size difference and being it is what it is. But uh, yeah, this is the first WWE match ever for a future world champion. I just realized we have two future world champions in 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 around ringside this match, and neither of them are Razor. One's Jeff Hardy, the other's Vince. <laughs> God. That's true. That's deeply terrifying. I want to go back in time and tell somebody that. 
nobody will believe you. Nobody will no. believe you. Nobody. Everybody, like, and then Savage has won the belt already. So you can say that everybody around the ring, ref except, ex with the exception of the ref, has won the WWF title except Razor. <laughs> that is, I would never have guessed that. No, absolutely not. Razor was, um, there's Razor, uh, was Razor was was slapping this slapping this young Jeff Hardy around at one point, and I seem to remember him picking him up and saying, "Welcome to the big time, Mang." Well. Who would, who would have guessed how far he would have gone? Yeah. Keith, this Keith Davis. In fact, I have a weirder statistic for you. Go on. Randy Savage's final match ever involved those two men. It did, didn't it? Turning point 2004, Savage wrestled, if that's the word for it, <laughs> teaming, teaming with Jeff Hardy and AJ Styles to face Jeff Jarrett, Razor Ramon, and Kevin Nash. God. Randy Savage was staring at his future. In in just ten years' time. My God. <laughs> I I just not put that together. That's strange. Wrestling is a weird mistress, isn't it? Uh huh. Just he more like, a lot more like Bone Saw when he came out for that <laughs> match than he did Randy Savage. Meanwhile, Nash and Jarrett are both in the building on this show, and AJ Styles is. Off in high school somewhere, I guess. Yeah, he's, yeah, I think the only person missing from this arena, this this is mess is AJ Styles. Maybe he was doink. <laughs> Can't believe they made you doink. <laughs> Said Sean well, Marshall. Well, well, Sean was there. <laughs> so Razor finishes with in usual fashion with the back superplex and the Razor's edge. During this match, though, I want to point out it was um, Savage was getting incredibly stressed on commentary. Oh yes, because uh, Vince McMahon was asking him like to basically predict every match and every tournament in the King of the Ring, and you could just tell he's like, "Oh, I don't know, I don't know." He was just making it up, but then Vince was holding him to holding him accountable for every decision he made. It was hilarious. <laughs> he does predict that Owen Hart's going to win his match with the Tonka because his nickname is the Rocket, and the Houston Rockets are doing good in the NBA playoffs. So there's some sort of symbiotic relationship here where, gonna, where the two Rockets are going to feed off of one another. And that's ah. why Owen's going to win. That's a fair shout. That's like on the ESPN college football game day when they bring in a celebrity to be the guest picker. It's like, all right, who's going to win, Minnesota or Illinois? Well, my my wife's aunt is from Champaign, Illinois, so I think that's why <laughs> Illinois is going to win this game. So I'm going to say my mother-in-law is from Champaign, Illinois, so I'm going to say Minnesota. <laughs> because Soda. <laughs> I'm just waiting for her to die so I can inherit everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, and speaking of death, we come to the next segment. Okay, now that's a segue. We have Paul Bear and a ghostly filter. Yeah, some nice filmography here for Paul Bearer. Yeah, it's like Paul Bearer's Clarence, and it's a wonderful life. <laughs> I liked it. See, he's still looking for the Undertaker. He should, he should put like, he should post like a lost dog signs like telephone poles and trees and stuff. Like, have you seen me? Have you seen my friends? <laughs> See, Ted DiBiase claimed that he's bought The Undertaker. Paul Bear doesn't believe him because Taker can't be bought. Paul Bear is vibrating his eyes, uh, just, just just wriggling in their sockets. The Undertaker can't be bought! 
Wilson. <laughs> Everybody's got a prize for the million dollar man, except the Undertaker. He's free. <laughs> Whatever they paid Paul Bear, it wasn't enough to play this character. Oh, he was brilliant. He was just oh yeah. It was it was a. Uh, I watched some stuff recently with Percy Pringle in TNA, and it's like it just without that Paul Bearer character. They like I and I know he had a career as Percival Pringle the uh, third before that, but I think Paul Bearer was his magnum opus, and anything oh, after that just kind of didn't have the same charm. We see the Paul Bear at his very best when he's accusing Taker of murder in a few years when he's the the guiding force for his eventual son Kane. But Paul Bear here is he's just he's he's more an accessory than a manager. He he's he's there to do the talking for Undertaker, and it's kind of weird just seeing him on screen without Undertaker because he doesn't really have much to do. He's a Paul Heyman style character. How Paul Heyman is like the the accessory for Brock Lesnar when Lesnar's not there. This is what Paul Heyman's doing. He's keeping the Undertaker dream alive at this point. It is kind of weird though. It's, without Taker, it just it really isn't the same. No, no. But we're, hey, we've nearly got him back. Nearly got him back. Yes, he'll be back very soon. Mm-hmm. By God, kids, that's that's the real crusty right there. <laughs> Oh, you're going to love the next two words I put down on my notes here. Because we go to the ending of the show with Vince Savage in, in the two-shot at ringside. I wrote, crowning plug. <laughs> so what, he stuck his finger, up, was... his, stuck his finger up his ass then? <laughs> yes, uh, what was that divine intervention? <laughs> There's got to be better ways to deal with it. <laughs> like, that can't be the only way. I'll get the anima. <laughs> a little hot water will we'll, we'll, we'll do you nice. Oh, jeez. Tag team title match, of course. Quebecers versus head shrinkers in the uh, countdown to the crowning. Stop thinking about it. <laughs> DiBiase is now at the table. He's, he assures that he, that he balled the Undertaker, and he will produce him very soon. And that's it. And that's it. We don't know when. He hasn't given us a date yet, but we uh, we know he's on the way. Yes, he's uh, being shipped from um, Kathmandu. <laughs> he must didn't want to pay express, so it might, it might be a few days or weeks. So how did you um, how did you find the Tatanka Crush match featuring an episode of Raw? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was gonna say. You know it's not a good show when the Tonkin Crush go 19 minutes and Jeff Hardy goes two minutes. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's all the wrong way around, isn't it? Green as Jeff Hardy may have been at this stage of his life, I would much rather watch him take bumps for 20 minutes and have the Tonkin Crush be a, a rush job. I think if this match had to go the distance, if like there was no other choice and it had to go the distance, like that, that segment had to go long, could you not? I have mean, had, like, like it had to feel like the like a bulk of Raw. I'm thinking like they had like a fourth match planned and maybe like a jobber got sick or something and they just had to like, all right, you two are going along. Could you not have done You're it sound like the like the Tatonka crush match happens dead quick, Tatonka wins in quick time, then all the lumberjacks start fighting, so they they kind of make an impromptu twenty man tag. <laughs> that would have been something to see. That'd have been fun, wouldn't it? 
Tony... All right, Bannon, you're working twice. I've done it before. <laughs> Tony wheels out. Furthermore, you're all wrestling again. <laughs> Furthermore, I'm crowning. Get me to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, count down to the crowning. Be right back. <laughs> he drops the first log. Furthermore, drops the second. <laughs> I like the idea of Jack Tony getting drunk, belting. <laughs> And going, furthermore, and belching again. <laughs> you could have something after drunk, it still would have worked. <laughs> or breaking wind, followed by, furthermore. <laughs> Clearly our most mature show to date. Absolutely, mate. It's been our best hour, this us. <laughs> Next time we're together, we are joined by Matthew Gregg from off of botchamania and other things and we will be watching king of the ring 1994 what a time to be alive get your scales ready for our donovan baby just a word of warning in advance most of the shows are going to be tom and matthew playing an elaborate drinking game to whatever our donovan says on commentary you know what i would love to but it's dry january so i'm doing this whole show stone cold sober oh bs I, no it's true i am I always drink a lot over Christmas, so I have dry January to, to recover my liver. It's an agreement Tommy I have the... with my insides. Time you picked the wrong way to quit sniffing glue. <laughs> oh, I can sniff glue, that's fine. I just can't drink. <laughs> I can I can sack a pop tart, I just can't drink. That's fine. Well yeah, it's not no not November anymore. <laughs> oh, right. That's, right. <laughs> John, picture Lex Luger buying Pop-Tarts with the caption, when no, not November is over. <laughs> right, is that JRH Ryan? I am at Tom Campbell. Together we are the Coltarlet Classic Raw Review. We'll see you next week for the Watch Along. I love you, bye. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> I just pulled that Pop-Tart thing right out of my ass. I got so that. did Luger. <laughs> For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.